Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. Really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? You know how I am. I know, but I'm fantastic. I'm great. I'm great, Andy. Nice to talk to you this Friday. This Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... Yeah, for new listeners, maybe for our guest who's going to join us in a second, they may not be aware that Bridget is always fantastic. So, for much of this year, we've we were calling her by her nickname, Captain Fantastic, um, which we trot out every now and then. Just to, I am going to get that illustration of you done. By the way, I know uh, you keep threatening that, and I haven't seen it yet, so right. I'll believe it when I see it. Right about the same maybe. time. About the same time you send me that gift you owe me. So you didn't tell me what the gift is. Well, you're supposed to pick it and send it to me. Okay, I'll do that right after I get the picture. <laughs> no, 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 no. The gift no, first. No. Gift, gift first. first. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. see how that. We'll see how that turns out. All right. All right. Like married people squabbling. I know. It's so, um, gosh, only another week or so left in the year. Amazing. How time flies. How time flies. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's. Uh, Anything, you know, big regrets, something you wish you had gotten done but didn't in the, the year? No, I typically don't live regret-ish. So, no, but I'm I'm looking forward to 2018. I tend to look forward whenever possible. Um, so looking forward to seeing what 2018 will hold. Hopefully lots of uh, surprises. Good surprises. Good surprises. Yeah, yeah, good surprises, yeah. All right. Well, we have a guest again with joining us today, and joining us is Susan Steinbrecher. Susan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm good. You know how Bridget is. 
<laughs> and She's fantastic. Susan, I know. So nice to meet you virtually. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Likewise. Thank you very much. So the topic of the conversation and, and um, an area that Susan works in a lot is, is you know, effective communications. And the topic that we were sort of had come up with was one that's I think is really quite interesting, which is you know, having the difficult conversation. Which you know, if you're in sales, there's lots of difficult conversations. <laughs> you know, the the least desirable one, which is, hey, you're not making your numbers time to continue your career elsewhere. To uh, you know, difficult conversations with customers, if nobody else, as well as with with peers or people that that work for you or that you work for. So, one to to talk about that because I think it's uh, important. So, Susan. Just may introduce yourself a little bit and tell us you know, what you do, and and uh, then we'll jump into our conversation. Well, yes, again, um, Susan Steinbrecher, and um, I formed Steinbrecher and Associates 25 years ago, and we specialize in leadership development, um, and that sometimes translates into leadership training or executive coaching, facilitating executive offsite retreats, um, pretty much anything to help leaders. Leaders be better leaders at the so, end of the day. So how'd you get to thinking and working on this topic about difficult conversations? Well, I think honestly, I started seeing a pattern amongst my clients where they were all saying, gosh, you know, I have to have this conversation with this peer or this peer and I are not on the same page or I'm not getting along with my boss or they're managing uh, employees that, you know, this person doesn't get along with that person or whatever. And we really were seeing a pattern in the workplace, but that's sort of at a micro level, at a macro level, we started noticing more and more sort of discord in our society. Sure. Um, so that's what got us to say, we need to attack this issue and see what we can do to help people with it. Well, and that brings up a, one of the questions. So this polarization that we see that in society at large, which yeah, I'm not convinced that it's any worse nor any better than it's ever been, but I think it's, to me, it's like always been there, but perhaps not having its moment in the sun, but if we are, we'll assume for a second, a little more polarized, are you, are you seeing that, that then spill over into the workplace, that even though it's not about those same issues, but that you know people tend to be less open to other points of view? Yes, I mean, we really are seeing that. And, I, we, you know, we don't know if it's sort of technology that's created some of that issue. The, the point is that because technology allows us to be um, on, if you will, 24-7, doesn't mean that we should be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think people are feeling the stress of that. And I think they're trying to manage multiple priorities at the same time. And the, the stress, I think, is what we're beginning to see sort of fray the relationship. Uh, we're trying to communicate in sound bites instead of really being articulate with a message. And I think all of that's further complicating the issue. Yeah, interesting. Because it seems like, I'm sorry, Bridget, were you going to? Well, I was going to say, I think just my experience being on executive teams it is really an issue, uh, and it's not just on executive teams, but but being able to communicate difficult topics to one another, and how do we do that respectfully and kind of stay on point? And one executive team, I mean, we we all had coaches and we all had training, and it was specifically for this reason, so that we could communicate 
effectively. And one of our coaches had said that in high growth startups, there's always going to be conflict. You know, you're doing a lot of things, sort of to your point with technology, we're we're talking in sound bites, we're doing things fast, we may be communicating across time zones and in different geographies. And so that being a, knowing how to communicate is so critical. And who's teaching it? Who's teaching people how to do it? Most people have not been trained in how to do it effectively. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. I think you're absolutely right. Most of us did not get the foundation in our families <laughs> or at least yeah, positive yeah. models. <laughs> so what are we drawing upon, right? And yet we, we end up being in a workplace and we're trying to figure out how do I connect with this individual or perhaps someone might be more a little bit more conflict avoidant. So it's totally, they don't feel confident, competent or comfortable approaching the conversation. And I think that sometimes is often due to wow, I'm not sure I can handle this conversation. I'm not sure I can handle my emotions. I'm not sure I can handle their emotions. So often what happens is either one or two camps. One is I totally avoid it altogether, and we know that that, that makes things even worse. Or we jump in, sometimes the bull in the china shop, and try to get a point across, and we're not coming across respectfully, and then that blows up. Right. So we, for all those reasons, we felt like people really needed to gain some skill in this area? How do they build that emotional resiliency and composure when it matters most? And at the same time, how do you, you know, gain alignment through sort of the pragmatic approach? We really address this as an inside and outside kind of job. You know, the inside job is managing the emotional composure and resiliency. And we looked at that as, you know, how does one build the strength to do that? So when you're in a conversation and and you need to call upon that strength you can. And then secondarily, what do you do in the moment when you find yourself getting really upset? What's the most uh, important tactic to deploy? And the outside approach more is what's the step-by-step process that's going to get me from the beginning of the conversation to the end of the conversation? And we think both pieces are critical in order to get to the, you know, to the end game and the outcome. It's one of the issues in communicating this, and you know, this is you talk about emotional resiliency. Is is it? It seems like oftentimes, and some of this I think is a little bit generational, but I think it's a trend that's you know coming into everything we do in life. Is that that so many of the differences seem to be sort of emotional grievances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're sort of dealing it from that that perspective. And I don't mean that to, to to trivialize those. I mean, I think you know, people I feel like people sort of conceptualize their their challenges, the things that trouble them differently than they might have in the past. And so, some of these difficult com- conversations just seem more emotionally weighted, perhaps, than they were. Um, yeah, you know, it just you know, there's things, issues that come up, and I, I see this. My wife is um, a professor at medical school and and deals a lot with students on some personal issues and and you sort of see that as as you know the way people present their issues they present them more as as you know I need to have a convers- tough conversation but it's, it seems like it's sort of a grievance based and it's just a different way of positioning things i just wonder if that has an impact on yeah i really think it does and i think that goes back to what we're seeing is stress levels go up Um, I mean, I think we've always dealt with stress, right? (laughs) So it's not that that's a new concept, yet that's what what we're finding is 
that people are trying to get so much done with less. Often they don't have the staff levels they've had before, so they're expected to do more because technology allows them to be accessed 24-7, then sometimes there's the expectation of that. Hard to kind of turn things off. I mean, we, we recognize that, I mean, texting can be addictive. I mean, we've learned from some of the brain research that that's actually true, that mm-hmm. texting can be addictive. Sure. So there's so many things going on that's causing people to be working this sort of full cycle at a very accelerated rate. And they're not taking care of themselves as much. They're not dealing with stress effectively. They're not, the work-life balance has kind of gone out the window. Well, when you think about it, are you going to be more patient when you're when you're feeling highly charged, lack of sleep, not eating well, et cetera? <laughs> Probably not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's sort of taking care of self. That piece has really come out when we're under time pressure. And I think that's exasperating the issue. Interesting. So huh. I can second that. <laughs> yeah. I just I just I, I'm just listening to use Susan talk about it. And I think about just in my own experience, I can say, yes, I'm expected to do more with less. Yes, I'm expected to be sort of always on. Yes, there are more multiple demands coming at me that you're right, stress isn't new, but sometimes it feels like the stress um, has been ratcheted up a notch because of these um, kind of the always on culture that we've mm-hmm. got now because of technology and just sort of what's what's uh, our, our current environment. Yeah, I really believe that. And I do. And again, we're not going to be operating at our best when we haven't had enough sleep right. <laughs> and we haven't eaten well and right. haven't been with family, haven't really connected um, spiritually, emotionally or, you know, with someone else. It's just the human side of it is kind of going out of the equation here. And it's really, I think, catching up. Well, and I start back to the point I was making is, is before is, so are we, are we taking conversations though in the past that would have been, we could still put them in the difficult camp, but because of these, the polarization we talked about and these issues, you're talking about the stress, we're, I don't want to say we're artificially making them more high impact, but we are, to some degree, we sort of are, right? Just through all the environmental concerns. So it's almost like as managers or as if you're an employee going to talk with your managers, to your point, it's almost like you have to take a pause, right? Part of the mm-hmm. training, it seems to me, is is both parties like, you know, maybe we should maybe we should have this conversation tomorrow or let's have it in two hours right. or something. Is you know, people seem to be loaded for bear every time they want to have this this type of talk these days. I would agree with that. In fact, what we teach in the training is that, you know, let's take a look at some of the tactics that are going to help you when you're in the moment in the conversation, let's say, for example, and you find yourself getting upset, you know, what do you do? So one of the things we talk about is buy some time and take the deep breath when something is said rather than immediately react versus respond. And we think reaction is a different thing than responding. The reaction is when you're emotionally triggered and you just say whatever's on top of your mind. In order to get out of that and to respond more effectively, sometimes you have to take the deep breath. Well, how do you do that? You're in a conversation with a person. So sometimes it buys you time to say things like, tell me more, 
or paraphrasing back, here's what I'm understanding that you're saying. Did I get that right? As the person, so in other words, get the attention off of you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that you can take a moment to collect yourself or say to yourself, this too shall pass or take that deep breath or write or whatever you need to do just to buy you a little time for some composure. When it's really out of control and you feel like, okay, I'm getting so upset, then we often recommend that we delay the conversation to your point. So we'll say something like, listen, you're upset, I'm upset. I think we both can predict this is not going to go in a good direction. Why don't we both take a step back, pause, um, and reconvene tomorrow so that I'll collect my thoughts, you'll collect your thoughts, and then let's come back and see if we can't um, do this more effectively. To me, that's better than it escalating and escalating and getting out of control. There's going to be so much more damage done in that case versus asking for the delay. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that that's what I was bringing up is I think that that when you think about uh, even certain process, let's say like habit change, you talk about, you know, you, you have a trigger, you react to the trigger. Well, at that point, you, you have to pause for a second and say, okay, I've got a choice here. You know, this can go one way or the other, right? Which way do I want it to go? Yeah, That's I, right. I think people need to be very conscious about the fact that it's okay to to pause, <laughs> and this is it's, this could be a yeah you know, microseconds because things happen quickly in your brain. But but pause and consider what the options are, and then make the right choice about which direction to go. And yeah, I think to the degree that I know there's some people that enjoy having sort of those high stakes conversations and let them escalate and see if they can control things, and rarely <laughs> rarely works out well, even though. You know, people in sales think they can talk their way out of anything. Much better to pause. And as I said before, you've really inflicted, you know, mortal wounds on each other. Right. Because I think the thing, especially if you have to work with this person again, I mean, this is just one interaction. And often what also comes into the conversation is history. So, for example, if I've had multiple conversations that did not go well with that individual in the past, I'm coming in with all of that baggage this time, mm-hmm. making some assumption that this person, oh, I already know how this is going to go. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be you know, a jerk or whatever it is. So now you've just completely tainted this interaction with history. If the conversations in the past have gone relatively well, you might come in with that bias as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we often aren't even talking about what's happening in this particular moment in terms of a topic. We're bringing everything else from the history in. This applies, of course, in personal relationships as well. And that's what makes it difficult. It's what is the real issue? Is it this particular issue we're trying to address today? Or is it, frankly, everything else that's gone wrong in the last four years? <laughs> so that's what also creates uh, things to sometimes go south pretty quickly. Well, wouldn't you... I, I don't know. I'll ask the question. I would say I shouldn't phrase that, wouldn't you? But I mean, is it the case that the way that people manage these type of high, high stress, high impact conversations at work probably mirrors how they handle those same conversations in their personal lives? Often, and sometimes we're a little bit different person at work than we are at home in terms of you know we adopt behaviors to the culture of the mm-hmm. environment. Often, it may be out of our normal sort of scope or type or personality and we've learned to adapt adopt to the culture but honestly if you're a really good communicator at work you're more than likely a really good communicator at home and vice versa so to your point yes i think for the most part we show up basically the same in terms of our skill level to do things 
and, and I just find in conversations, people, you know, again, they're not comfortable having it. So they often don't. And, and we look at it like in our training, it's like, we want to say, listen, not only is there this sort of whole inside job you need to be managing, but how do you start the conversation in a way that you and the same person are on the same page in terms, even the purpose of the conversation in step one. So that that's one of the steps that we, we recommend as we say, you know, let's first get clear about the reason I'm here to speak with you today is X. Mm-hmm. And so many times conversations start and that wasn't covered and two, three minutes can be going by and the person's still like, I don't even know what we're here to talk about. Right. <laughs> so yeah. as simple as that sounds, that is a piece that has to happen from the very beginning. My hope is that we can gain alignment. You and I have a different opinion as to how the project should be completed. My goal is for us to gain alignment by the end of the conversation. Uh, you know, okay, now I know why we're here to talk kind of right. thing. Right, right. You like that setting the stage. I mean, the other thing that sort of struck me as you were, were talking is that I mean, one thing I, I consciously try to do is you know, not let things get to the point where you have to have these really make-or-break conversations. I mean, there are right. some instances that are unavoidable. But yeah, at, just take at work, managing a team of people and leading a team of people is if you have your eyes and ears open, then hopefully you can sense when things are, are bubbling up. Certain you know, people are need help or you know feel they were mistreated in one regard or another is that you can consciously you know talk to people and, and try to address it earlier on right before it gets to be so problematic and and more emotional and more stressful <laughs> for all those reasons absolutely i think the other challenge as i mentioned is that sometimes people hesitate to step in because they're they're afraid how the person's going to react and they don't know how to deal with it So one of the things that we teach is how do you facilitate the emotion of the other person? So we're teaching how to facilitate the emotion within you and the emotion of the other person. Right. So this person starts, you know, elevating their voice and getting really upset. Often one of our techniques will work, whether it's empathizing with the situation, which by the way, people confuse, you don't have to agree to empathize (laughs) with the situation. Uh, but that often will diffuse some of that anger because it shows you're listening and that you care enough or active listening skills. We talk about at least maintaining, try not to ever lower, and if when appropriate, enhance self-esteem. All those things open and build some of that relationship, involving them in the solution. What ideas do you have to solve this? Here's some ideas that I have. All of that shows respect and begins to diffuse some of that anger and calm the person down. So those are important pieces as we're on our roadmap from beginning to end of the conversation as well. That sort of mitigates the emotion along the way. It keeps it more neutral. Sure. Bridget, anything? Well, I, I, I think it takes a lot of skill to navigate these conversations. And it takes a lot. First of all, it takes a self-awareness to be able to look at your own sort of emotional landscape and kind of, and and have that resiliency. So I think it takes, first of all, and and I'm speaking from experience, it takes skill number one to, for me, to recognize when I've been triggered and Mm -hmm. what's triggering me and to be able to take that pause. And then I think the second is it does take some skill and training to be able to have those conversations and to and to continue to show up and sort of be the adult 
to be adult in the room. And I just think most people don't have the tools or the training. I think it's so lacking. I totally agree, which is why we really felt like we we really owed it, you know, to yeah. the world, so to speak, to take this message out because our big vision was to really look at this work not only in a business community, but also take it to homes and schools and prisons and government, et cetera, because we felt like there was such a disconnect on so many levels. And I agree with you. Most people are not mindful or conscious enough of what's even going on with them and why they're being triggered. So it takes some real skill. For our platform, for the training, is a lot of practice with a table coach with, let's say, a round of five people. So there may be a facilitator in front of the room, but there is a table coach sitting at that round table of five to listen to everything being said and every word being practiced. Plus, we do pre- and post-follow-up practice sessions after training because we realize that a one-and-done is not going to be enough. They're going to have to have continual skill building with the help of a coach to provide the feedback of when they got it right and when they didn't. I mean, I can't tell you how many folks come in feeling like, I do these conversations every day. I know how to do this. <laughs> and they don't even get this first step right. Right. They're exactly. Like, you literally didn't state a purpose for the conversation. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, you really didn't. I mean, here's exactly the words you said. So they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that's it. I think most people are, they're not looking to create difficult situations. That's they right. are looking to find alignment and to be in agreement and to be in harmony. And we just don't know how to do it. We're not good at it. We're just not good at it. And so we 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 say things and we do things that are triggering others. And then it just spirals. And uh, it's a day, it's a week, it's a month. And as you said, Susan, these start to, we go into a conversation. We're not even talking about what's happening today. It's the last eight months of poor communication that has, and, and, and it, in all environments, it's, um, I think, very uh, detrimental. And I think you, you just take a, a sales environment or a startup, and it can be the difference between a company that succeeds and a company that fails. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, the organization needs to be aligned and the impact to the business when there's not alignment among peers or employees with boss, et cetera, et cetera, is those those outcomes, those goals, the all of the stuff that that business is there to do doesn't get accomplished. It, yep. it will just stop in its track and it creates a huge issue. Bridget, you also mentioned earlier about somebody understanding their own sort of style of, of dealing with this because we felt the same way. We created this whole model and we, we actually have folks go through an assessment to determine here's how you're likely to show up in this type mm-hmm. of conversation. Mm-hmm. So they gain that awareness um, as part of it because you're right. People are not aware of, they just do what they do and only know how to do what they do. And everyone's, again, I, I agree. I don't think people jump out of bed with the intention to disappoint. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and really let me go attention. blow up some relationships <laughs> exactly. today and see how I can get people pissed off and frustrated and we won't get a thing done. Somebody comes to mind that gets out of bed every morning and does that. So <laughs> There might be a few, but it's pretty yeah. rare. Hopefully like, it's rare. One, one big <laughs> so, example that comes to mind. So, well, uh, Susan, unfortunately, we've got to stop it right there, but tell folks how they can uh, connect with you and learn more about what you do. Thank you so much. So 
the name of this whole training that we've been speaking about is called Meaningful Alignment. We're in the middle of working on the book that should be published next spring called Meaningful Alignment. And the way to reach us is um, steinbrecher.com, which is our company name. And that's S-T-E-I-N-B-R-E-C-H-E-R.com, steinbrecher.com. And soon to come, MeaningfulAlignment.com. And I just appreciate the opportunity to speak with both of you today. It's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. And I look forward to reading the book. Thank you. I'll I'll look forward to getting it as soon as it gets out. So great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. And very timely since we're going into a holiday. um. (laughs) Very much so. I'm sure some high impact conversations coming up over Turkey. Exactly. So, um, well, Susan, <laughs> thank you very much. And Bridget, as always, fantastic. And we'll look forward as to... As always. Look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.